Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast. This is episode 206. And I know this uh, this title sounds really extreme. And we're <laughs> going to talk about this today. Um, right? The more I learn about his disgusting past, the more phys- physical sexual revulsion I feel toward him. How can we ever recover from this? And this comes from a PBSE listener who wrote in a very raw and vulnerable uh, message to us. This is from a partner in Betrayal Trauma Healing. And here's what she says. She says, Hi, Mark and Steve. My husband and I are coming up coming up on one year since D-Day. That's Discovery Day for all of you who are new to this, where things started coming out about his addiction past. She says, we've, we've each been in individual therapy and 12-step groups, he for his addiction and me for betrayal trauma. So that tells us they're they're working it. One of the problems is that we haven't had a formal therapeutic disclosure. And more and more information about past betrayals keeps trickling in. Every time it does, my scab is ripped off. So here's the heart of my question. The more I learn about his disgusting past and many, many betrayals, the less I want to have sex with him. In fact, I feel actual physical disgust at the thought. I hope to work through my trauma and hope he works through his recovery and that we come out the other side with a stronger relationship. My question is, what do I do about the absolute physical sexual revulsion I feel towards him? Thanks so much. I love your podcast. Hmm. Wow. It is a tall, uh, it is a tall order. And yeah, Mark and I, I know we have tons of thoughts on this. Um, I will start with, apologies, oh, I have a little bit of a cold today. And so I sound extra Thorishly manly. So maybe that's a good problem to have. Maybe that's good. 
here we are. I'm a on I'm an octave lower than usually. <laughs> so um but yeah, let's let's do look at this. I mean, first things first. Uh we really can connect with the uh escalated nature, but the real and raw nature of what this spouse is saying. I mean, she is using really strong strong terminology. There's no way around that, but I don't think it's in a toxic way because I, it sounds like that's just, you know, in an accurate way. That's really what she is feeling right now when it comes to, you know, physical attraction or even just an ability to be around him. Mm -hmm. And we can really empathize with that. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I try to picture, um, this as, as we were talking about this before the meeting today, I just kind of envisioned, you know, if I was, if I was in some sort of a setting where I was spending time around someone that I needed to trust and, you know, she talks about it in probably less graphic terms than I think of ripping the scab off, you know, every yeah. time I hear new information. Yeah. For me, how that sounds is I just get another knife in the back, mm -hmm. you know, over and over again. And when you use that kind of terminology, it's important to kind of visualize in that way because that does help maybe those of you listening, either spouses or, or addicts, who are thinking, wow, that seems over the top about where this partner is. Uh, if if I had a friend, again, who was coming, every time they came to my house, they stole something from me or they stabbed me in the, in, in the back and, and apologized, but then later I got stabbed again, right? And that pattern can happen over the course of time. Very quickly, how much, how much of a friend am I going to look at this person as? Very quickly, well, they're going to not just be a, not a friend. They're going to be a downright enemy, right? Well, and we have to, and we come from the place of, you know, we're, we're, we don't know the details of this relationship no. or how it began, but if it was fairly typical, there were promises made, there were expectations, there were, she saw him as a certain kind of guy and there's probably a lot of admiration and, and a lot of ways that she really respected him. And we have to realize that now that entire picture that she had, all the expectations, all the promises of exclusivity, all the loyalty, all the, I'm going to give you all of myself exclusively to you and no sharing or piecemealing out to others. We have to realize that that entire paradigm of hers has been shattered, yeah. like exploded. Absolutely. What does that do? It's, yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, that's a great Mark's putting in an excellent terminology. Absolutely right. And so we do appreciate the realness on her end. So, so we really can connect with that. That being said, Mark and I are always pretty direct and our job is to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. It's what we do in our dare to connect program. It's what we do in our individual clinics. And it is what we're going to do here. There are a lot of things wrong with this situation Yes, and we need to get on the same page. Uh, so empathy being in place, we're going to entertain some complex emotion with empathy on the one hand, we are now going to express the frustration or the need for some changes here on both sides of the coin, because this, uh, I mean, the way that this is happening is there are just based on what little information we have to say, to say nothing about what we don't know. Uh, this is a highly dysfunctional pattern on, on both ends and, and it's got to be corrected. Other, this is otherwise, uh, this relationship is in serious trouble. I mean, what you're looking at here honestly, is a really good case study for why, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, why we absolutely require people and, and insist that they have some sort of professional guidance when doing a therapeutic disclosure mm -hmm. or in handling the, the disclosure process in general. The disclosure process 
it, the way that it, there, for example, let's just talk about it. Why this this system is so damaging as it stands. Okay, we don't even know if he's actively acting out yet or not. That's not even included in the submission that I we know. received. Yeah, we don't. But let's know. say for sake of argument that he is. Okay, so he's continuing to act out. He's he's trickling out this disclosure in different areas. It doesn't sound like there's any boundaries in place for him disclosing those things or those actions within a 24-hour period or any of the stuff that we re we we recommend all the time to our clients. So none of that stuff is in place. There are no boundaries, really, to speak of from what we're hearing. Essentially, what we're hearing is he he may or may not be in active addiction, but he's just kind of dispensing this information about it and when it happens or when it didn't at inconsistent times. There's probably some manipulation involved with that. And every time it happens, trauma is occurring on multiple levels. The first level is the trauma itself of the betrayal, right? And that's what we talk about oftentimes and what most people recognize on the surface. But let's talk about the others that are going on. Every time this happens, he is also sending the message, not only, hey, I acted out, but if he's not disclosing and being honest or forthright, either in a timely manner, in a full manner, or both, and it sounds like at least some of that's going on, what's the underlying message there? A husband may be saying, I love you, I care about you, and I want you to be safe, but words in that area, in our professional opinion, do not equate to action, because the actions here speak exactly the opposite. Your safety is secondary. Your needs are secondary, right? What you're looking for or what you're wanting to, um, you know, I, I will choose you, but only on, on a certain level, right? So there's a whole uh, separate undercurrent of betrayal that's reinforcing negative messaging and, and eroding safety even deeper than the, than the actual hurt itself. And then on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, this woman, whoever she is, clearly she's frustrated. And there is a part of her, I guarantee, that is crying out to say, enough, stop hurting me and stop allowing the hurt to happen. And so every time this happens and there are not healthy boundaries in place and she's not finding her voice or standing up to him in a healthy way, there's a self-betrayal that happens with that. We talk about this with spouses all the time. And that's just kind of a quick assessment, guys. Can you see how toxic this is? This dynamic right now. Yeah, because the thing that just was like a big megaphone to, to Steve and I that came out right at the beginning of this. My husband and I are coming up coming up on one year since Discovery Day. And we're, we're like, one year? Because she goes on to explain what's happening currently. And so what immediately jumps out at us is the, the incredible misunderstanding that is out there in the recovery healing culture about what a D-Day means. Yeah. There are lots of people who have, quote, D-Day, but not from the standpoint that Steve and I would ever have a client participate in it. Yes. Yeah. So that, would, that just leaps out at you. Whoa, you had a D-Day a year ago, and this is where you're at? What was that D-Day, so-called D-Day? Yeah, some people, and Mark's right. Some some people term D-Day as this is kind of the day I first found out about this. Mm -hmm. But and, and and one could define it that way. But when Mark and I think about this, that's that is just and it may be part of it is the problem is that because multiple terms start with the letter D, maybe that's the problem. Yes. Because we actually have discovery, which is when you first learn about something going on, right? To some extent. And then you have actual disclosure day. Yes. Right? Yes. And disclosure Different. day is supposed to be a official, formalized, from here on out, we're honest. Everything from the past that needs to be the past is, is disclosed. 
we do everything we can leading up to a disclosure to create an etching in time that says everything that came comes after this is referred to in one way and everything that co- came before is referred to in another way because the past is something that we're doing our very best to reconcile from a factual standpoint so that a wife can really begin healing yes. so that she can begin to understand the reality of what this new marriage is. It empowers that spouse a to decide whether or not I am going to continue to choose this relationship and be what my needs will be going forward with that as well as go through the process of what am I going to need for need for an amends for the past, right? All the things that go into a disclosure. It's a complicated process, right? There, there has to be an order and process to this because what you end up with often is this, we, we call it this, this emotionally doubling down. Not only are things from the past trickling in, which every one of those new trickles is another massive hit to her trauma and to the trust of the relationship. But then many times he's still continuing to act out in some way. And then that's trickling in. And so imagine you have both of those things going on simultaneously and what, what that creates for, for the partner. I mean, you can't, you can't begin to calculate the emotional hit of this. Yes. With both of those. That's why there has to be a process of very carefully you know, mapped out process that's followed, as you said, Steve, with, with professional help, but then boundaries. Yes. Boundaries are so oh, lacking right. here. Wow. We cannot, we cannot reach out with our, our empathy and our, our hearts just go out to this partner. We just want to, we just want to take her by the hand and say, let's walk you through the boundaries process yes. so that you can, you can stop this continual battering that you're experiencing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. So it's uh, so it's so so that's that that is the first order of the day, right? And so the the name that we we need to move on to other things for sake of time, but please get a process in place for establishing a formal disclosure. Again, we don't even know what's happening with his sobriety versus not, and and so we're I know we're making some assumptions here, but I mean just to demonstrate the seriousness of what's going on here and the level of trauma. I've worked in situations where, let's say that he's not really working on recovery, at least not totally right he's not really progressing he's kind of in that half-assing mode and again that is an assumption but if that's the case i have worked with many clients on a one-on-one basis where i have come out to them and said point blank if you're not willing to be honest if you're not willing to really be real and if you're not willing to work your recovery it would be less damaging for your wife to just not say anything to just not say anything yeah and that is and and talk about something that a therapist never wants to say I hope that kind of conveys how seriously damaging what we're talking about is. To make that decision as a therapist or to say that to a client is sort of like choosing between cancer and and HIV, to be, can- to be candid with you. It's like, what do I want to inflict this partner with more, right? They're both terrible options. But that's, that's I mean, that's how bad of a situation we're talking about here from that tra- ongoing trauma standpoint. We have got to, this relationship, if it's going to make it, you have to stop the bleeding. Yeah, and and if and again, we don't know anything about this guy, but if, no. if it's typical, if any of you guys listening have you've allowed your 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 ego addict brains to convince you that the the trickling out of past truths is going to be easier on your wife, listen to two guys who know that that is absolutely false. <laughs> you are sorely mistaken, and on, on on both a professional level, a personal level, speaking as addicts. And from a research-based standpoint, it is the most damaging methodology one can use for doing what's going on. Don't yeah. 
do it. We never say that on here ever. Do yeah. not do it. Okay. Yep. Don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, with all, so with all of that, I mean, she does. And so she, she really in a raw and authentic way expresses where she at, where she's at today. But then I love, and I hope, I hope that uh, if, if the partner, if her partner is listening to this podcast, I hope, and any, any guys listening to this podcast, I hope you hear the amazing and wonderful hope, a little bit of optimism in what she says, because what it, my question is, how do, how do they get through all this and come out the other side with a stronger mm. relationship? Yeah. That's remarkable that she would say that. Absolutely. Because you think she, she, she should be running, you know, 20 miles an hour in the opposite direction right now. But what does she say? Well, with all of that, I do want to come out of this with this guy. That's no, and it, it is profound. I was listening to the news the other day, and I could not believe this story that I ran into, because this is what I'm thinking of as I'm picturing this. A gentleman was, I can't remember the circumstances or what happened. Guy comes into the hospital with 21 gunshot wounds, right? And, and somehow is miraculously not injured in a, in, in a way that was permanent and is expected to make this full recovery by the doctors. This is what I read in this news story. And this woman is kind of what I'm picturing. And that's sort of the physical iteration of what I'm hearing here. Somehow, after all of this hurt and all of this hard, she's wanting what? I want to try and work on this. Yeah, I want to try and make this better, which is incredible, but is 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 good for us to hear because that means that this this is not done, right? It's not right. done yet. This is still workable. So right, and it is and miraculous. So finishing up today, how would how would a coupleship in this position even start coming at how to come out the other side with a stronger relationship? And some things really you know jump out for Steve and I, and, and we've already mentioned the very first. Very first thing we would say, setting and holding healthy boundaries around past and ongoing disclosure. Yes. We've got to start there. Absolutely. This, this, this dynamic cannot continue. If, if I was a therapist working with this couple, that would be the first thing I'd be setting down as a guideline, right? And, and it would be, if, if you're not willing to abide by this, then let's not even bother working on this. Um, there needs to, a couple of examples of boundaries that would be helpful here. Rule number one, he needs to, at a baseline, be willing to, to admit to, cop to, take accountability for relapses as clearly defined between the two so that there's no misunderstanding what a relapse constitutes within a 24-hour time frame yep. of when it happens. Yep. No more of the staggered, you know, I'll tell her in a week when she's in a really good mood or... You know, right when we get off the plane to Disneyland, she's at like a high point all, you know, whatever, like all that nonsense that all of us addicts have always done that needs to stop now. Okay. And then so, the other side is he, he, he and she both need to come to an understanding about everything in the past. Cause I know, mm -hmm. I, I know I've worked with a lot of spouses and I've experienced this, experienced this from my past betrayal. There is when, when you've been betrayed and there's been enormous trauma like this. Something in the something in the survival brain says, if I just keep getting more information, that's what will reconcile me. More information will will keep me safe. And there's mm -hmm. this pursuit that starts that just says, I got to know more and more details and deeper details, right? And there's something that convinces you that that will do it. Yes, and it doesn't. It's a great point. 
Yeah. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. There needs to be a boundary in place for both the wife or series of boundaries in place for both the spouse as well as for the addict about what are we going to do with that past information. Mm -hmm. And we would strongly recommend getting in with a professional and there needs to be an immediate moratorium on what's happened in the past while this disclosure process is set up. Yes. Yes. The, the, the only, the only ongoing disclosure while that disclosure of the past with a therapeutic approach is in process. The only ongoing disclosure is what's happening currently. Yes. Now there is one exception to that, not knowing what's going on here. And we hate to even entertain this, but we're, we don't know what the acting out looks like. And so this is an important piece for every spouse out there to know. There are two things that usually need to be disclosed immediately in some form or fashion. Again, using a therapist as, as a, a guide. The first is if there has been any sexual connection with someone outside of the relationship that could expose the partner to health risks like sexually transmitted diseases. Absolutely. Okay? Yes. We don't wait on that. You'd go get tested right now. Right. Yep. Um, and that, and all partners need to be disclosed. That needs to be talked about openly and that needs to be worked through now so that there can be some sort of physical intervention if there needs to be. Yep. The second component is if, if anything is, that has happened during his acting out past carries potential legal implications for the mar marriage. Yes. Okay? So again, we hate to even, I, I apologize for partners listening if this is triggering, but you know, we're teaching truth here. Um, if there, if he has any history of accessing minor pornography, engaging in sexual behaviors with minors or in other situations that could put you in legal jeopardy, that needs to come out as soon as possible as well. So the spouse knows what's going on so that that can be handled as well. Yeah. Right? But otherwise you get into an agreement where now, now I know, uh, this is so hard for partners who are trying to heal from betrayal. So you're telling me, Mark, all that past stuff that isn't what Steve just said, I should just put that on the shelf. And we're, we're lovingly saying yes, with, with a condition that he is fully committed to and working the full disclosure process about that past. Because otherwise, the partner is going to say, great, I'll put this on the shelf, but I don't have any confidence that I'm going to get the full story when this disclosure is done. Yes. So I need some assurances, at least as much assurance as that's possible, that he's all in. So guys, if you're asking a partner to put all that past on the shelf because you're tired of being bombarded every day or every minute for more details, and you're asking her to just put that aside for a moment, then you've got to be all in on your disclosure process. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And so that, and so that does mean, yeah, like Mark said, it means doing something uncomfortable, which is setting that aside. But it's, it's again, like Mark emphasized as well, it is a temporary moratorium so yeah. that we can go in and do this the right way. Right. Exactly. Yep. I'm not going to be super graphic with this, but I, in the early part of our marriage, I had a little sorry skin tag. Some of you know what that is. <laughs> on on a, a part of my body that technically I thought, you know what, I could handle this alone. And I'm not going get, to get graphic with it, but long story short, I decided to use some home limb implements to remove the skin tag because Yourself. I did not want to go to a doctor. <laughs> so as one who, as, as a guy who used a set of toenail clippers to try to remove a skin tag and ended up with some really disastrous results, <laughs> kind of a visceral graphic way. Of, and we, I'm using that example on purpose of what happens when you try to navigate this process alone. For the love of God, go to a dermatologist. Okay. Like, please get a professional involved. This is really, it really is an emotional surgery disclosure, disclosure process. There's a lot of risks involved. There is a lot of cutting into wounds that's involved. 
But yeah. the difference of having right the correct boundaries in place, the right professional involved, is the difference between you sitting there with a bloody mess, like I was, with a pair of toenail clippers, <laughs> versus a nice, neat surgery where you know there wasn't a risk for infection and a lot of the other things could have been avoided and blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't. We see we see clients, metaphorically speaking, going at this with toenail clippers all the time, and yeah. it never goes well. Right? Yeah. It's worth the time. It is worth the energy for the guys listening. It's worth you not going golfing for a while or eating bologna sandwiches when you go to work or whatever is needed. Get somebody involved. And then you have to be willing to come to that place of commitment of saying, I'm going to love this marriage enough to keep with those boundaries, even on days where maybe we're having a quote unquote good day. And in the past, we would have probably said something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So. Well, on another side that, and we'll finish up with this, and I and I know what I'm about to say is going to be hard to hear for both partners. Yeah, but my wife and I had to do this. <clears throat> you have to keep in mind that virtually all of the expectations that we started out with in our marriage relationship, I basically blew those all out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wasn't married to the guy that she thought she was when she found out about all of my past that was going on in my case secretly very stealthily in our relationship for decades. Now, after discovery and disclosure, she's looking back going, who is this guy? Is nothing that we had real? Is nothing that I thought he was accurate? And so in many ways, I had to actually get into the mindset of, I'm almost starting from scratch in this relationship with this woman. Like dating her all over again courting her all over again. This, you know, this woman asked, how, how, will, how, how will I ever restore this physical, sexual attraction and, and healthy relationship with him? Well, it may well require that you actually start right from the beginning in developing basic intimacy and getting to know each other in all of the various non-sexual ways. And it's hard to hear. I don't know how long they've been married, but it's hard to hear wait, Mark, you're saying we're, we're like starting over. Mm. And I wish I would, I'm not going to candy coat it in many ways. That is true. And the question you have to ask yourselves, both partners is, are we willing and interested in doing the incredibly hard work that Mark's describing right now? Mm. Yeah. In order to come to a place, little baby step and building block by building block over what will probably be years of time to really get to know the true of each other and, and have real authenticity and intimacy finally in our relationship. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. No guys, we, we, we love and we care about you and we're it's, it just breaks our hearts to hear situations like this. And we know that there's a, a difficult journey ahead regardless for this couple, but please do take these steps that we've talked about at least as at a baseline and then involve this professional in whatever way you need to, to set up communication boundaries and other things as well so that we can start greasing the wheels on this process and give this relationship a chance. And for all those who are listening who are in a similar situation, please take the same steps. We understand, guys, therapy is expensive. Things like the Dare to Connect program are expensive. It's one of the reasons why we founded the Dare to Connect program for addicts, spouses, and couples. $295 a month as as of this recording, and we have no plans to change that number in the future, which for us is the, for many of you, is the cost of essentially a therapy session provides you, you know, 25 hours of content a month uh, from two therapists and guys in long-term recovery on an interactive level. 
Um, we know that these resources, even when we provide good ones like that, are it, it's expensive. There's a lot of investment here. We hope that you'll find a way, whether it's, and sometimes that means involving family, having uncomfortable discussions with people or friends, but please value your marriage enough to take the steps that you that you can to not navigate this alone. It's uh it's it's just it's again, Mark said it best. Take it from two guys who tried. It's just oh it's just not worth it. <laughs> it's just not worth it. But we do love and care about you. If you are interested and we would love to see you come and give Dare to Connect a try. We talk about topics like this all the time and as always, that's not one-on-one therapy and it never will be, but it is the best bang for your buck that we know of in terms of getting in front of a professional, getting questions and issues answered, finding a support group and a, and a community that can you know help you in your recovery journey for addicts, for spouses, and for couples all individually. You can find more info about that at daretoconnectnow.com. We'd love to have you come and grab the two-week free trial. Come and, and uh, join us and see what, what that's all about. And for and for those who are looking for answers, I'll be then you know somewhat brief as much as we can cover in a podcast setting. Um, on the podcast, we've been going for four years now and have no chance, no uh, intention of stopping. It would really be nice to be put out of business, but sadly, we just continue to grow. So, yes, um, that would be a great problem to have. There were no more issues or sexual sexually compulsive questions left to answer, but sadly, there are. So, if you'd like to submit a question to us, you can do that at uh, pbsepodcast.com. There's a contact form down at the bottom there you can fill out and get those to us. We'd love to uh, address those in an upcoming session. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And we will uh, be with you in our next episode. Sounds great. Take care. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.